In a world of what are yous, welcome to the place where the answer is always human. My name is Natalie and you're listening to Some Kind of Brown, a podcast about mixed and multiracial life, current events, and ways to build the best life by a southern girl who's trying to figure it out for herself. Hello, brownish family. Yes, we're still using brownish family because we have no protests to be heard. I have two very special guests with me this week for our 50th episode and also the last episode of 2019. Danny, Brindy, would you like to introduce yourselves? Hi, what's up? We are Art History. We're also a podcast. We do a traveling art history podcast together. I'm Danny. We're dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Brandy. That's that's usually what we say. <laughs> And since you said that, why did you start your podcast? Well, it mostly was my idea. Just to answer your first question, she, her is good, and I identify as mixed Chinese and white. Okay. But yeah, we started this podcast because I was feeling dead. I was working an office job. By all means, it was very successful, but I was feeling like nothing. <laughs> and then I was getting all this millennial ennui, so I was like, I'm going to call it my sister. Let's travel the world, look at art, and see if we can, like, make us feel something <laughs> that's literally what happened i got a call from my sister she was like danny i have a dream and i was like tell me your dream <laughs> sister what do you want to do she's like do you want to travel the world with me and i was like yeah let's go like i don't have anything else going on and we look at art and then we judge if it like can make us feel alive which is a good rubric i think <laughs> yeah for sure my rubric when i go to museums is how much anger do I have that it's hanging in a gallery? Oh, why Why anger about the gallery? <laughs> because I, this is so bad, but I paint and I'm like overly critical of my own painting. Mm -hmm. And so if I see someone who just like splattered on a canvas, it makes me so mad. <laughs> like, Oh, I see. Like you, you just, that's paint splatter. You called it rage and there's a red paint splatter. Uh, to be fair, it made you feel rage. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> Pretty much. I know I know that's terrible and like, I guess snobby. I, I don't know. I don't think it's necessarily snobby. I think it is valid. To be fair, the art world is an extremely closed circuit in terms of access and privilege and the, the people who can afford mm -hmm. to make art, to buy art, to own it and see it and uh, curate it. Yeah. there There's like, that's like 10 people. So that can be frustrating. And sponsors and that whole thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it's hard. It's hard to get yeah. an in and that can be very frustrating because art is my career. I have to kind of make my peace with that fact and enjoy it anyway somehow or I'd lose my mind and pull all my <laughs> hair out so I just try to appreciate it for the spectacle that it is you know it is a spectacle that is a very <laughs> apt word choice mm -hmm. and I also understand that like you know maybe maybe you don't like the red splatter but there's somebody who must enjoy it oh I know <laughs> there is and I feel bad every time I think it but it's my knee jerk to be like oh absolutely no you're it's not alone a circle. you're not alone in that <laughs> and we've discovered on our travels that anger is a feeling of being alive. So that counts. That is an emotion that you cannot have when you're dead. So, mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so you, Brandy, said you identify as... So half Chinese and half white okay. European mutt. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's what my mom used I'll... to call us. 
She calls you mutts? Yeah, she calls us a mutt. <laughs> no, she calls us not your Asian, but my Asian. Okay, I accept that one over mutt. <laughs> she called us a mutt our whole lives. Oh my, okay. But you know, I'm going... we are. <laughs> I'm going to set that aside. <laughs> we can examine that later. Yeah, because I have all sorts of feelings about that one. <laughs> That is actually uh, a future topic. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, please. If you couldn't guess, our mom is our white side. <laughs> but honestly, when I use that word, I mostly refer to it as the white mix and not the Asian part. Just like... Oh, that's funny. The, the mixture of, of Europeans. Mm-hmm. I call European mutt. <laughs> I just call that... I call it Jewish. Or Jewish. Whatever our Jewish is. Because Jewish means like, yeah, we got Russian, German, Czechoslovakian, but that's all... That's all Jewish. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's our, our personal brand of Jewish soup is what we are. That works. <laughs> I mean, are any of these metaphors okay? <laughs> no, this is totally fine. Any way that you have found to identify, I think, is valid, like we were saying before we recorded. And self-identity is such a complicated thing when you have so many ethnic backgrounds, especially if maybe you're not raised with one or the other. I've noticed a lot of people who are European mixes, the culture gets lost in the context, like in the context of America, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. which is an odd phenomenon, I think. I think only white people in this country can afford to not identify with their particular ethnicity. But they want to so bad. (laughs) I make art about my mixed identity, and I remember being in school and this this girl came up to me and she was like, oh, I feel like I really understand your work because like I'm a mixture of French and Irish. <laughs> and I was like, white plus white makes white bitch, okay? Like, <laughs> so <laughs> you're European. Yeah. It's like, I get it. You're white. That's cool. That's not what my painting's about, but that's cool. It's, it's an odd thing that gets very complicated very quickly if you have an immigrant family that goes back long enough. Like if your your family came over here and they were Irish during the famine, then right. you have some complicated feelings and things like that that I don't want to be dismissive of. The only difference is that Im- Irish immigrants at that time stepped on black people to put themselves up higher. So, right. you know, mm-hmm. it, yeah, I, there is a lot about culture that I think white people can identify with. Like I'm living in a very Dutch area and I'm all for people celebrating that they're Dutch. Yeah. But if they didn't want to celebrate that they're Dutch, like I said, I feel like they ha- they're they the only ones that have freedom to not identify. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there's no pressure. There's no, no one's going to look at you or treat you a different way or speak to you in a different way if you're white and you don't identify with a particular nationality. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to. No one's going to get mad if you can't speak German. And right, German. right. Like- <laughs> it, it's just one of those things. So identity is weird. <laughs> And being part white is weird. (laughs) I wish there was a podcast that talked about it so we could (laughs) learn more, join the discussion. Let me know when you find it. (laughs) (laughs) That's a different way that Brandy and I view ourselves and our identities. Mm -hmm. I've always considered myself just 100% other. Oh, okay. I always like resented the fact that people tried to divide me. Yes, yes. In halves or even smaller than that if we're going into the soup but personally i prefer to see myself as 
one whole person. And I think that, especially in America, there is a culture that comes with being mixed, Mm -hmm. that there's a community being built of mixed people that I've always related more to other mixed people than either like Chinese people or Jewish people or white people, because there's a culture that's growing and there's a politics behind being mixed that's just now kind of flowering. It's very true. And I think part of the reason for it flowering is that we are having more freedom to identify. Like my dad on his birth certificate is colored. Mm-hmm. Wow. That can mean 8,000 different things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I identify as mixed. And I think sometimes it's really important to identify as multiracial or mixed because there is a very unique culture of being mixed because there are a certain set of experiences that are unique to the way we go through the world and the way people treat us. But mm-hmm. also, like you said, I like to be a whole person as well. I went through a stage of I wanted a pie chart so I could like point to it. <laughs> and then I realized that was ridiculous. It was really like a coping mechanism mm-hmm. because there's almost a pressure to be like, oh, I'm Cherokee. And then someone's gonna be like, well, how much, you know? Right. Yeah. And that's something that's going on in the indigenous and native communities is pushing back against blood quantum. And then you have the black community where if you're part black, you're black. And why aren't you acting a certain way or Mm. you're trying to be better than us? It's very interesting when you're mixed because you get things like that. And I know that being Chinese is an experience as well when you have Chinese and another racial mix in there. Yeah, I think that especially when we were in school. It was more of a thing where we couldn't quite fit in with like the Chinese people who hung out together. Mm-hmm. They would yeah. they weren't really accepting of us. But also the white people weren't really accepting of us and we had to kind of like scoot our way through the middle of those things. Or we were accepted by the mixed people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I found that just in my life, like through college and high school, I've just gravitated naturally towards other mixed people and we've all sort of found each other and could relate on things that, yeah, like you talk about, nobody else can really relate on. Yeah, and you don't have to go through that whole like, oh, someone said this to me. No, no, people don't say that. Yes, they do. (laughs) You know, that whole thing. Everyone goes, yep, that happened to me too. (laughs) We work, my sister and I Mm -hmm. both work at Disneyland. We do private tours. What? How did I not know that? We just started up again. That's why we've been busy. Oh, okay. But uh, Brandy had this family, this old white dude. What did he say to you? Oh, God. Well, he gave me the line that like every old white guy does, which is like, what are you? Uh, (laughs) Everyone does that. Everyone. uh, It got down to, Mm -hmm. you know, what are your ethnicities? And we were talking about travel and I was like, oh, well, I'm half Chinese. And he was like, oh, like, I don't see that in you. Like, (gasps) I don't see that. And I was like, okay, well, I am. And And then he like had to backtrack and he was like, well, it's a good look on you. You wear it well. And I was like, excuse me? So I, you know, when it's not trendy anymore, I can take it off and put on another one. Like, what are you talking about? Oh, my. You wear it well. Like, that was a new one for me. Thank you for validating the way I formatted my ethnic expression <laughs> to suit your needs. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, thank you very much. Yes, I, I chose Chinese just part Chinese at birth because I knew that one would be trendy. Yeah, looks real good. I wanted a little touch of the <laughs> yes. exotic, but I didn't want too much. <laughs> just a taste, just a taste. I still wanted a double eyelid, you know? Oh my God. Horrible. <laughs> I have the wonderful experience of having one eyelid that is and one that isn't. Like, talk about mix there. <laughs> I 
have a friend who has that problem. Yeah, and makeup is impossible. Yes. You know, honestly, I learned how to do makeup from Bub's Beauty, who is Chinese. Mm. Because when YouTube first started, like back in 2007 and 8, when I started watching it and wanted to learn how to do makeup, there were no mixed girls yeah. like with my mix. Right. And because I am a significant portion of indigenous between the two uh, nations, I have mm. no nose bridge. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I have a yellow undertone in my skin yeah. as opposed to like a the orange mm-hmm. type that some people get. So before makeup started expanding, which has only been within what, the last three years, I think, yeah, shades well, I think, have really started expanding. I think when Fenty came out. Yeah. I bought foundation from Korea. Yeah. Because it was the mm-hmm. only place I could find yellow toned makeup. Which is wild because Korea also like their makeup doesn't have a huge range, but it is all yellow no. undertone. So like if you can mm-hmm. get dark enough, like for me, I'm too dark for most Korean makeup, which is buck wild because I'm still mm-hmm. pretty fair. Like You are. Yeah, I know. But it is yellow undertone, which is nice. Yeah but-, yeah, but Korean beauty standards with like the lightness of skin is wild. Well, yes, but also I have an app on my phone that I use for most of my pictures on Instagram. The the cool pattern and stuff that I've been using recently, and that's a Chinese app. The things I don't use are the skin whitening functions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a big thing. That's a real thing yeah. in Chinese culture. Like, our stepmom is Taiwanese, and she, like, drives with the curtain across her, like, window in the car, so she, like, can't see out the side, but it's so the sun doesn't come in and, like, tan her. Okay, to be honest, I have dark arm syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> And sometimes I'm like, I need to get the Ajima grandma arm sleeves. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> pull them down. It's really, yeah. it's really funny because Brandy and I grew up in California, in Southern California. Mm-hmm. So for us, there's a big culture of tanning. So yeah. we were mm-hmm. always out in the sun, at the beach, at the pool. We're always tanning, getting darker and darker. And for our Chinese family, that was like blasphemous to do it like that. Right. You're ruining it and you're even part white. Why would you ruin your advantage? I know, but meanwhile, our white friends were jealous Mm -hmm. of the tan Mm -hmm. we could get. Mm -hmm. Because we do, we can can get tan really easily. We don't really burn. Yeah. I burn across my face, but I tan everywhere else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I burn a little bit on the nose, you know. (laughs) It's still bad for you, but like (laughs) back in the early 2000s, we were like, yes, Beach Barbie. You know, yeah. I went to beauty. Co- That's a whole other story how I ended up in beauty college. And everyone in my class is white, and I'm in Arkansas. Mm. And so mm-hmm. everything about me is different. Everything. Yeah. yeah. I was, I wore a shorts or a skirt. I don't remember, but my legs were showing. And the person who owned the college was like, Ooh, look at you with those tan legs. And I was like, What? Thanks <laughs> a lot. But then in the summer when all the other girls would tan, because that culture does exist in the South very much so, mm-hmm. they'd be like, oh, I'm getting darker than you. You need to go tanning. I was like, no, have fun with that skin cancer. <laughs> like, can I just exist with the skin I have without people making all sorts of weird comments? Like, Nope, not allowed. Absolutely not. not. Allowed. It's interesting how there is that like kind of double standard. You know, it's like people with lighter skin tones, the lighter you get, the more privilege you have. But everybody craves that tan. Okay, so I have to admit, this is where I got a call from my lawyer. 
Danny and Brandy were nice enough to let me take that call really quickly because I am dealing with my case for disability. So fun stuff, talking to lawyers. When I came back on, Danny, Brandy, and I made some jokes about my ovaries and their location because everybody wants to know. Thank you, U.S. government, for making the application process for disability an absolute joy. If you want to hear that, let me know and I can release that on Patreon or something. Anyway, we lost to what we were talking about. It was my fault. We're just going to jump into the next thing. So other than the pressure and all the stuff that comes along with being Chinese and sun and tanning, what was your experience growing up? Did you feel like there were any pressures or things that were being put on you? Brandon and I were talking about the other day, the first time she realized that she was Chinese. Oh my god. Yeah, I didn't realize I wasn't white until I was like 13. Oh. <laughs> Which was a weird experience, but because our parents got divorced when I was, like, three, we always lived with our, like, two cultures separated, which is why Uh this, like, two-half thing is so, like, prevalent in our lives. Like, we only felt Chinese when we saw our dad on the weekend. Okay. And then we were with our mom most of the time. And so I didn't, like, put it together that I wasn't white for so long. And I think it was because my friends we're all sort of teasing each other about liking anime oh. <laughs> and they're all like going back and forth about like you're a weeaboo you're a weeaboo or whatever and i was like oh god i'm a weeaboo and i was like wait a minute no i'm not <laughs> i'm a chiaboo <laughs> wait a minute i don't have to be the like white person that's obsessed with japanese stuff and that's a really weird thing I can't be that because I'm not white. Like, it was a full revelation at the, like, lunch table in high school. (laughs) I had no idea. It's still not chill to be obsessed singularly with, like, Japanese culture, but it did help me realize that I wasn't white in this conversation of weeaboos versus chiaboos. I will put a caveat on that, though. I think it's totally fine to be interested in an actual culture Mm -hmm. and learn about cultural history and language if you think japanese culture is anime that's where there's a problem i think (laughs) yeah and like the weird fetishization of it and like there's all these pitfalls when it comes to that i can't imagine making it to 12 and not realizing that i was different i made it to five (laughs) i think just like putting the two together yeah, I mean, it was obviously there. I knew I was. I celebrated Chinese New Year every year, you know, but like it didn't really connect for me because I was growing up in a white household in like pretty sheltered schools and like, I don't know, everything I just sort of internalized was like, that's normal. Oh, uh, so it's, you didn't really know exactly how that translated for you specifically. Yeah. And like, even I got the comments when I was a kid that was like, oh, you look so exotic. But I never like, for some reason, connected the fact that that meant I wasn't white until I was older. Uh, Yeah, we had a lot of experiences with that. Like, Mm -hmm. we were on a cruise with our mom, and we had to go through customs. And the customs officer looked at us, looked at our mom, and then Brandy is a little baby girl. Mm -hmm. She was like five or six. And he looks at Brandy, he was like, who is this woman? Brandy's (gasps) like, mommy (laughs) and then he was like what's her birthday then and my mom was thinking like oh my god she doesn't know my birthday but brandy knew it yeah because i'm a capricorn yeah she nailed it okay (laughs) capricorn but but the officer was afraid that mom was like stealing children from the island and trying to bring them on this like 
Caribbean cruise or something. Like, I forget where we were. I don't know what cruise it was. That same cruise, uh, a lady stopped us and she was just like, oh my goodness, your adopted children from China are so cute. My mom was like, I had those with my body, but yeah, that came out of me, but thanks. <laughs> I grew I grew those two inside of me, so... I had those with my body. <laughs> oh my god. Not adopted, but thanks. They are cute, yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, you're triggering me over here. So sorry. But... <laughs> um, meant to ask, do you, do you have ovaries? <laughs> I... I have ovaries, but I don't have a uterus, okay? I, so I won't grow I'm my own kids. Ever going to grow children inside of me? Me neither. I don't know. Maybe me just me personally. Brady doesn't want kids at all. Mm-mm. Personally, I've never had like this this want to have mm-hmm. kids that look like me necessarily. I didn't look like either of my parents. Mm-hmm. I don't look like anybody in my family, except for Brandy. We look alike. Yeah. But so I've never wanted that or seen what the importance of that could be, you know? I think it might be because you t- it's just the two of you because yeah. my f- three siblings and I all look vastly different. So for us, it was, I wonder what each of us is going to marry, the race of the person we're going to marry and how our kids will turn out because we all look so different. So it was mm-hmm. kind of something that, I don't know, I guess I thought all mixed people really thought about what their kids would look like or who they would marry and what that would be like, but maybe it was just me. (laughs) I mean, that's just for us, I think, something. And it's because maybe, like, our dad is 100% Chinese, our mom is 100% white. So Uh, it's not like there was that culture in our family already of, like, ooh, everybody looks fun and different like how are they gonna turn out that's cute what features will carry down and like how and from who that's kind of fun I could see that but for us it's like we don't look like any of them they all look like each other yeah we go to family reunions and they go through the albums like oh look like you look just like great Emma or great aunt Irma or whatever and we've never Uh, had that experience it's kind of sad but like it's just something we can't relate to Maybe that's the difference between being multiracial and mm-hmm. biracial because I have cousins that have green eyes, but they're the same coloring as me. Like it's always been a mm-hmm. game almost mm-hmm. like what's our children, our child going to look like? What genes will they inherit? Will they get more indigenous or will they get more black or, you know, things like that? But I can see that you play the racial roulette. <laughs> we did though. We did. I can see how that's fun. It's just not something that we can relate to or ever even occurred to me. I always just thought, like, when I, like, imagine my future children, they're amorphous blobs. That's so interesting. (laughs) There's nothing there. I don't see a gender. I don't see a color. They are just little baby voids that love me. (laughs) You know, I've been doing this for a year and a half. I've been doing this for 10 years, and I've never seen... In all of my vast experience, <laughs> this is something I haven't thought about. Mm. That, this mm-hmm. is something lots of people talk about very often when you're mixed is like, did you imagine what your children would look like? Did you want them to look a certain way? That's very interesting. And I would love to hear other people's experiences with that if they wanted to have children. Yeah. I did a I did like a project in college that involved identity and I talked to my dad about it. I was like, how are you? How did you think about like when you decide to have kids? And he was like, I knew you'd be cute because mixed babies are oh always my- cute. 
God, that sounds like every Asian parent I've ever heard. (laughs) Right? But then I also asked him, I was like, Dad, how do you identify? And he told me he identifies as white. What? Buckwild. What? Since when? Ooh, a cliffhanger. That's actually where I'm going to leave it today. I'm going to make this a two-parter because there's so much that we packed into this conversation. I want to give you a little breather. Also, if you can't tell, I am sick. I am living off cough drops and medicine at the moment. So we're just going to have two parts and you're just going to have to wait to hear about how Brandy and Danny's dad identifies as white because that is actually very, very interesting. You can find Brandy and Danny at Art Sistery. That's Art, S-I-S-T-O-R-Y. And that is all their social media, Instagram and Twitter. Follow them, check out their podcast. They are amazing. I had so much fun talking to them. Again, part two will be out next week. I do want to thank two other podcasters for leaving me some really, really lovely reviews. We had Lakita from Queen and Me podcast and Monique from Infertility and Me. I encourage you to check them out as well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Some Kind of Brown. And we have a growing private Facebook group that you can join as well. If you would like to support the show and be a part of our brownish family, I do have a Patreon where you can get ad-free episodes, bloopers, or good conversation bits that didn't make the final cut, early access to polls and upcoming projects, and more. You can buy me coffee through the link in the show notes or link tree to make a one-time donation if that's more your style. And to really help our colorful family grow, subscribe wherever you're listening and spread the word about this podcast. All of your support means the world to me and helps me keep going with this podcast. Thank you to Purple Planet for the use of their song, Love Life, and I'll see you later with some more Shades of Brown.